I'm Erin Barnes, and this is Inside College Admissions, a podcast presented by SCORE. On today's episode, strategic advisor to SCORE, Peter Van Buskirk, joins us to discuss how parents can effectively participate in their child's college journey. Welcome, Peter. Good morning, Erin. It's good to be with you. Good to have you with us once more. This is a topic that I'm really looking forward to discussing with you, particularly because you had three children of your own and and one grandson go through the process of um, searching for, applying to, and enrolling in college. You know, tell me a little bit about what that was like for you. Well, it's, it's interesting that you ask because it was actually very humbling. Uh, I think probably like many parents, I very much look forward to the time when, when my children would be looking at college. And because I had been in college admission for nearly 20 years by the time my oldest was of college age, I thought, I might have some things to offer here that could be of interest mm-hmm. and I can help you. Well, it seemed like the more I knew, the less she wanted to hear from me. And uh, so we had good relationship, but at, at times it was a little strained on the college front. And But I, I, my children taught me an awful lot about how to be a parent in this process and, and also reminded me that, uh, and I'm, I'm really proud of them for this, but reminded me that it is a process that they need to own and, and make decisions for themselves throughout. So, and that's probably something that I've taken with me from my experience with my kids. And as I talk with other families and, and students, uh, I really think it's important that, uh, that the young person take ownership and, and, and express his or her sense of purpose through the college process. Um, again, happily, my kids figured things out and and uh, ended well and in their, their college searches, but uh, uh, not not without a lot of angst and anxiety on the part of, of dad. Yeah, Peter, this is a really interesting conversation because no matter who you are listening today, I think that you should be able to relate to some part or some side of the conversations that we're going to have. You know, I myself can certainly relate to that angst that you just mentioned a few moments ago of having a parent who is eager to help and at mm-hmm. the same time at the same time as you as a student are desiring help you might be a tad reluctant to accept it from a from a parent well i, I remember my oldest daughter is jennifer and and uh, I, I there was one point at which i was trying to help her with different things and she said dad you're going to have to cut that out uh-huh. how, how am i ever going to learn how to make decisions for myself if you keep doing it for me Sure. And wow, you know, the wisdom of a 17 year old hit me square between the eyes. And mm-hmm. It's, I think sometimes as parents, it's hard to recognize that because we are so eager to, to see something really good happen for our children when it comes to their education and their future. Sure, sure. As a parent, um, you know, I would imagine it's a unique feeling, as you just described, whether or not you are a parent who has gone through the college process yourselves, be on that side of the table, trying to help your your child go through the same process. Many of my colleagues have found that that it's best to just kind of ask a friend to advise their kids. (laughs) Sure, yeah, makes sense. Harmony on the home front. Mm -hmm. So on that topic, let's talk a little bit. I want to want to mention your first book titled Winning the College Admission Game uh, was a bit of a flip book, um, which was half written to students and half written to parents. I think we just talked a little bit about possibly Mm -hmm. why you took this approach, but would you mind expanding a little bit? Well, sure. I I was very excited about writing to kids 
about the college planning process and, and to try to reach them in a way that would be relevant to where they were in their lives. But I kept finding in, in some of the early drafts that I wrote that it sounded like I was writing to parents. And mm -hmm. uh, because the assumption is, I think, also that even though the teenager is the primary audience, the, the real audience, is, the reading audience would be the parents. So whatever I wrote was, was likely to be read by parents in addition to hopefully the kids. And finally, uh, an editor was commiserating with me on, on this and said, well, why don't you write two books or, or, or a flip book? In other words, interpret the process in one voice to kids in ways that, that they can get it and, and respond well to it and interpret the process in another voice to parents that in some ways reminds them about their role and, and, and helps to create some distance between what they want to do and what their children need to be doing. Mm -hmm. It worked out beautifully. So advising parents, like we mentioned at the start of, of our call, I think parents are very eager to involve themselves in all aspects of the process. And they are big aspects in terms of searching for, applying to, and finally enrolling. Those are three really big chunks of the process for a student. And parents are often very eager to get involved. But you know, how and specifically when can and should a parent get involved in the process? Assuming this conversation is predicated around the assumption that a parent has the knowledge and the experience and the desire to, to help their, their child. But there's a lot to unpack there. And, and I, I have to share a brief anecdote too. Uh, I made a presentation a number of years ago um, to a group of, of students and parents, but I was trying to drive home the point that moms and dads needed to step aside and, and, and give their children a chance to, to grow with this process. And, and a dad interjected and he said, well, you can't expect us to let these 17-year-olds make decisions for themselves, can you? And I said, yes, it, it, hard as it might seem, that's something that we as parents need to be disciplined about. And, and, and I would add, the perspective that I've gained on this comes from some research that I did while I was an undergraduate years and years ago, involving the role of parents in children's play or children's games. Hmm. And, and I think much of what I learned there is applicable here too, because uh, I, I'm watching little kids play soccer or baseball or football can be fun until you you listen to the sidelines and you hear these parents just going uh, crazy about the my kid needs to get in the game or watch out for that, that, that bad call, et cetera, et cetera. And so in, in the study that I did, I found that it's not uncommon for parents to try to kind of vicariously live their unmet expectations of themselves through their children. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, there isn't a parent out there who, a sport-minded parent who, who didn't imagine that they could have perhaps been a great athlete if given a better opportunity when they were younger. So I'm going to make sure my kid's going to be the one. Mm -hmm. Well, the same is true with college planning. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of times parents, whatever their own educational experiences were, feel like my kid's going to be the one you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to, to exceed whatever I did and to accomplish things that, that maybe I wanted to accomplish but never could accomplish. So I think that the, the whole conversation begins in an unbalanced way with, with mom and dad living with this expectation about college before the kid can even walk. 
and, and, and carrying that expectation through social circles, conversations with relatives. Well, you know, she's only 12, but she's going to be, we're going to take her to look at some colleges this summer. And, you know, and then you start to hear about the committee of we, we are doing this with regard to college. And, and it's really hard for the parents to kind of separate themselves from the fact that, that what they're actually providing in an education is a gift to their children a gift that the kids need to be able to unwrap and make work for themselves. When, when the parents carry it all the way forward, then basically kids end up on college campuses because they feel like they're supposed to be there rather than because they want to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting at your question as well as you'd like, but, but I think it's important for parents to, to help kids begin that self-actualization process when they, they reach their, their mid-teens and so on. They begin to think about you know, why education is important and not necessarily what do you want to do with the rest of your life or what do you want to be, but you know, why, why might college be an important consideration for you and, and how would you use that experience? Too often though, and I'm circling back to the, the, the parents of the little leaguers, but too often the parents kind of measure themselves and their, their own success in parenting by the, the car sticker they can slap on the back of the car once their kids are off to college. Yeah, yeah Peter, it occurs to me that this conversation is broadly about the type of relationship that you are building with your child who is becoming a young adult. Yes. Yes, uh, it, is the, it is your child's one of their first steps into a true adult decision. So do you have any specific examples as to how a parent could maybe engage in a conversation about college, just starting there with their, their teenage child? Well, I, I think it's, it's a good question, Aaron. And, and a part of that question also that I hear from parents is when's a good time to have that conversation mm-hmm. when should it started. And I think that there are multiple answers. One, with regard to when, when should it happen, my feeling is that the college converse, the specific college conversation in terms of let's take a look at them, uh, should start when the student's ready. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you're hinting at something broader, and I like that. I think it's important for parents to create a sense of possibility with their children, even before they're teenagers. And, and that can be done subtly uh, by perhaps taking them to cultural events on a college campus, to athletic events, including maybe a, a tour of a college campus on a, on a summer vacation in a very non-threatening, non-expectational way. Mm-hmm. But just, just to, to say, this is what college can look like and feel like. And, 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 and by the way, whenever parents do this, you have to be careful not to say this. So what do you think? Because young people are gonna take a while to process exactly the, what they've been experiencing. But I think that, that whenever we can give our kids exposure to the college environment in, in, a, in a broad and general way, uh, it, it helps to open up their mind to the possibility that this could be kind of cool just to be a part of it at some point. And I, I know when I was a youngster, I was very fortunate to live in a college town and my parents did things like in, had exchange students uh, into our home, you know, for transition weekends and that sort of thing. So we, we were exposed to the institution through the, the students who, who attended. I remember going to concerts. I remember going to ball games, And uh, I wasn't a student. I was maybe eight or nine years old at the time. But in my mind, I was beginning to think this, this could be something that I want to do in my life. And incrementally, as I got older, I began to understand where this educational experience, not, not just... The, the 
the enjoyment of being at the game, but the educational experience could have some meaning too. So I think that, that it's not a bad thing for parents to look at, at creating those exposure opportunities early uh, when, when there's nothing on the line. Mm-hmm. It's just an experiential thing that adds to the young person's life experience and then over time creates an expectation on the part of the youngster that, yeah, this is something I'd like to do. And then, then that sense of ownership, and it's a key thing, that sense of ownership begins to build. Yeah, Peter, uh, everything you just said made me think back to prior conversations we've had where you've referred to parents as being a teammate, so to speak, for for their child. And it's a it's a bit of a a shift in role, right? You've you've led your child by example or directly for most of their lives. And now it is your time to shift your role and and change your relationship and become their teammate. And I think mm-hmm. all the suggestions you just provided are great suggestions as to how to gradually tiptoe into the conversation about college with your child. So it seems more and more that parents are willing to spend money on aspects of the college planning process, from test prep to essay writing to special talent coaching. From your perspective, what does that say about priorities and how has that impacted the admission process? Well, I I think that uh, to begin with, you, you mentioned the, the sense of the teamwork, and I think that's that's really important. But again, I, th- I think that the parents need to recognize that the student rises to the level of an equal teammate rather than a subordinate in this process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the longer you, you insist that they have a subordinate role, the less engaged they're going to be. Now, I think the other thing that parents need to recognize as the teammate here is that fundamentally their role is to help provide access by that i mean they need to help the child get to the place to see the campuses and of course now with with the technology it's a lot easier to have access in in, in, in other ways so that type of access uh support is is where the parents need to recognize their primary role now you mentioned some other things the parents are spending money on they're spending money on the test prep and consulting and that sort of a thing which is not a terrible thing to do, but I think we have to be careful as parents not to overdo it. For example, when a student is engaged with test prep, a good test prep program might last 10 to 12 weeks mm-hmm. and that's it, okay? And you do it once. Uh, you don't repeat it three or four times if every time the student takes the test. Uh, oh, and by the way, insisting that your child take the test three or four times is probably not a good idea either. Uh, because all of a sudden their focus is moved from what they need to do in life to prepare for college to what they're doing on Saturday and then two or three hours a day in prepping for the test. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be careful about that. Sometimes doing or engaging people to help students prepare applications and engage in the college search and, and selection process is, is not a bad thing because frankly, there are a lot of parents who just don't have the time or the knowledge to guide their kids well through the process in that regard. I'm, I'm concerned that that tips the playing field and that there, it works well for the kids who can afford it or whose parents can afford it, but not so well for the kids whose parents cannot afford it. But I think that we have to, as, as a parent group, we need to, again, step back and, and be careful not to assume that money can fix everything. And, and I think we also, even more importantly, need to recognize that it's not our job to shape 
our child into the image of what we think deans of admission want to see. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, a, that's a big deal because I think there are many families, many parents who do a lot of reading, a lot of talking, and they've come to the conclusion that admission officers have a sort of a prescribed notion of what that candidate should be or what she should look like, uh, the kinds of things that she should be doing. So, I mean, I've, I've heard of parents getting their kids involved with beauty contests so that they have a credential there uh, or uh, helping their kids uh, write books and have books published so they can have a credential there. It, at the end of the day, none of that seems terribly authentic. And the, the reality is that the colleges that are harder to get into are looking for that authenticity in the young person, uh, the, the, the real you rather than the engineered you. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I, I find myself talking to parents about all the time is, you know, to step back and, and, and allow your child to, to live and grow, to, to discover, you know, what her gifts are so that, that, that she can present those gifts as part of her application when she applies for admission. Peter, given the direction that our conversation just took, I think I would be remiss not to at least mention the Varsity Blues scandal. Oh dear. Um, okay. What What do you make of that? Well, that's engaged parenting on steroids. Maybe I should back up. Not necessarily engaged parenting, but it's it's parents uh, engaging a proxy on steroids. But what what that whole situation reveals is the the willingness in in parts of just about any institution, regardless of how prestigious it might be. Uh, to kind of bend rules and find ways to make things work for not necessarily the institution, but the people who are in the institution and for the people who want to get into it. It's, it's really kind of a sad commentary on, on how we value process and ethics in our country that that could happen. But the reality, Aaron, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, is that stuff like that has been happening in one way or another for years. Mm-hmm. It's just become much more egregious uh, through the Varsity Blues. Mm-hmm. Well, we won't spend too much time on that, um, but I think that you've provided some key consideration points for, for our listeners. And, um, you know, up until this point, we've talked a lot about the eager involvement of parents who have had their own experience going through the higher education process. But what advice might you have for parents uh, who do not have college in their background and are looking to support their child through this process? Glad you asked because I think that that parent group is is a larger parent group mm-hmm. uh, and and one that needs the greatest support. I mean, imagine you've got a, a bright, talented young person in your home, and you know that that young person deserves an opportunity beyond which you can provide from your home and from your community, uh, but you just have no way of understanding how to support that young person. One of the big issues there is fear and uh, a fear that the, the parent will fail the child simply by involving him or herself in the process. And uh, I think that there's so much good to happen by the parent allowing him or herself to be engaged. I mean, the child can grow and grow out of a, a certain circumstance and create more uh, opportunities in, in life for himself. But I think. Th- parents wherever they are in life shouldn't feel that that they have to have all the answers and they 
they have to be able to, to make everything happen for their children. And if, if, if you're feeling that a deficit in that regard, that you don't know what to do, you don't know how to help, and, or you feel threatened that if, if we let her go off to college, she'll never come back kind of thing. I, I, I think it's important that the, if, you, if possible, you, you find others to talk to. You talk to other parents who maybe have experienced that letting go opportunity with their children. Uh, talk with teachers and counselors at the school uh, and, and let them become partners with you in the process. Uh, I, as a parent, especially if your child would be the first in the family to go off to college, it's okay to not know things. And it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions about not just the academic parts of the process, but the, the financial parts of the process, which can be very, very daunting. Um, and, and I think it's also really important to, to realize that there are individuals on college and university campuses and the admission office and the financial aid office and student affairs offices who are absolutely thrilled to be able to help as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but they need to know where you are. If you, if you are that parent, they need to know where you are so that they can reach out and be with you in that process. So I, again, I think that the fear of the process creates a sense of, of aloneness by the, for that parent. Mm -hmm. and, and I think to the extent that you're able to, as a parent, uh, reach beyond that barrier of that aloneness and, and let others help you. And I'm not saying you have to pay for all of these things because there are a lot of a lot of resources in your, your child's high school and again on college and university campuses that are dedicated to helping first gen to, to college kids and, and helping their parents in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. Peter, if I could share just a small personal anecdote. Um, I myself was a first generation student and oh. my parents, I think, felt a little bit of that aloneness that you just mentioned. But we, gosh, I can't tell you how many nights we spent reading together and we were that family that mm -hmm. spent time sitting down with the financial aid officer and going to the financial aid office once enrolled and there are people out there who are willing to help families and are absolutely thrilled to do so and from my own experience there are so many resources available for students out there and for parents to learn about what's available for them and all you need to do is just look around and take advantage of those resources. Oh, exactly, exactly. And, I, and again, I'm so glad you brought some focus to the the situation of the, the first generation off to college student because there's, there's so many wonderful things that education can bring to that, that student's life and that family's life mm -hmm. by allowing education into the picture. Mm -hmm. Peter, I think that our conversation has touched on all of the areas <laughs> that we can touch on in our short little show. Uh, sure. about the parent engagement in the college going process, but are there any parting words that you would like to leave with parents or with students who are listening to today's show? Well, sure. Um, I think it's really important, and I, I hinted at this earlier, really important for, for parents not to allow their, their sense of success as a parent to be tied up in where their kid goes to college. Mm -hmm. Car stickers you put on the back of your car uh, are very sort of momentary recognition of what your child's accomplished. You've, you've taught them well, you've given them opportunities, they're gonna be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. And, and uh, you know, to the student who's listening, if you, if you allow yourself to be 
managed through this process by parents who are doing everything for you and parents will do everything for you if you let them, uh, then you will get what you get. Not what you perhaps want or need, but you will get what you get. And, and you, the student also has to recognize that you know, your self-worth is not defined by the college that you attend. Your self-worth is defined by much more than that. And you need to be dedicated to, to finding those, those parts of you that, that will continue to emerge through college, because of college, and after college. And that, that sense of purpose that, that, that kind of gives focus to everything will guide you in, in I think, a very true way as you make your way through your, your educational future. Insightful parting words. Um, Peter, I absolutely value your perspective as a parent, as a dean of admission, as an advocate for students and, and families. And we are hopeful that this conversation is uh, beneficial to parents and students who are giving it a listen. Well, thank you for inviting me to the conversation. And that's exactly what hopefully comes out of this is a conversation at home. And, and that, that that team that you alluded to earlier comes into play in, in, in full and at the, the end of the day, the student is uh, happily situated on a college campus where she can be very successful. So thank you again for having me. A special thanks to Peter Van Buskirk for joining us in this conversation today. If you want to hear more from Peter, you can find his content in the blog section of our website and on YouTube where his webinars and presentations are hosted. If you want to learn more about SCORE, go to SCORE.com. That's S-C-O-I-R.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at SCORE Inc. That concludes our conversation today. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.